Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. Amen. This morning we return to the prophet Isaiah chapter 9, reading today verses 1 to 3 as follows. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. This is the word of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, dear friends in Christ. Crying is an interesting phenomenon when you stop and think about it, because it completely changes with age. Where you do it, how often you do it, why you do it. All of that changes as you move from childhood to adulthood. Babies cry when they're hungry or irritated for some reason. They're liable to cry at any time, day or night, even in the most public places. They don't care who hears them. As you grow older and more mature, though, that seems to change. You pour out your grief mostly in solitude, even though some people cry in the presence of others. Usually it's by yourself. Perhaps you've known that kind of solitary sorrow. Maybe you're going through it right now. Perhaps you see others happy and laughing and you feel kind of like an outsider looking in. Well, our text has the cure for that. And it lies in Jesus. We're reminded once again this morning that Jesus is the king of the outsiders. Those outside in sorrow, he brings into his joy. As we saw in our last meditation, the first part of this text emphasized the promise that Jesus would bring those outside of dark, in darkness into his marvelous gospel light. Today he makes a further point with a slightly different emphasis. Those outside in sorrow he brings into his joy. Our text says, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. We saw last time that throughout the history of the people of Galilee, they were the first to be conquered by the invading northern hordes, the last to be liberated, a people who were under almost constant oppression over the long centuries. Now, finally, they would have some joy. Now, finally, they would rejoice in the presence of the Son of God himself, for it was in Galilee that the Redeemer would spend most of his life, and in Galilee where he would conduct most of his ministry. For a sad and subjugated people, what a glad and glorious turnaround. You've had sorrow in your life, even the youngest of you, we all have. Perhaps there's a particular sorrow weighing on your heart right now. Maybe there's a certain sin that's weighing on your conscience tormenting you, making you feel like you're somehow beyond the pale, 
outside the kingdom of Christ. Never fear. For Jesus was the king of the outsiders. He understands you. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In fact, said Isaiah, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus, you see, was acquainted with grief so that you could get acquainted with joy. Even when it came time for Jesus to die, he was still the king of the outsiders, wasn't he? The Jews considered it sacrilege to put to death a person inside the holy city of Jerusalem, so they did what? They took him outside the gates to Golgotha to crucify him. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Those outside in sorrow, Jesus brings into his joy. He has borne our griefs. He has brought each one of us through the gates into the very heavenly Jerusalem itself. What great joy. In fact, it's really difficult to illustrate the depth of joy that is ours in Christ. Our text takes a stab at it. It says, they rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. According to the joy of harvest, that word joy, by the way, is one we've run into before. It's a Hebrew word that literally means so happy that you dance around in circles. A farmer at harvest time dancing around in a circle. What would that look like? Well, Pastor John Hine told us what that would look like in an Advent sermon illustration from a few years ago. He told about his father, who was a wheat farmer in eastern Washington, and his land would normally produce crops of about 40 to 50 bushels an acre in an average year. In a really good year, he might produce up to 65 bushels an acre. But in 1980, perfect weather, abundant rain, and the rich nitrogen-bearing fertilizer of Mount St. Helens ash combined to give him a crop that was the best of his entire life, over 100 bushels an acre. It was such a bumper crop that even his largest grain silo couldn't hold all the grain. And Pastor Hine told of his vivid memory of the grain elevator trying to put more grain in the elevator when it was already full and the grain showering over the edge. And his vivid memory of his father standing in that shower of grain doing a little jig, dancing because he was so happy. There's an image that'll stick with you. So let me ask you this. Shouldn't you and I be dancing in the grain? What's to keep us from dancing with delight at the overflowing shower of grace that God pours into our life every single day? Jesus, the King of the outsiders, has brought us inside into his joy. Every day he forgives our sins. Every day he continues to provide us with everything we need and a lot of things we simply want. 
Each day he sends his mighty angels to protect us, walking with us step by step, and usually we're too short-sighted to even realize they're there. Your sins are covered. Your eternal life is guaranteed. You were outside in sorrow, but now your Lord has brought you into his joy. You have a home waiting for you. As the hymn writer says, a home of fadeless splendor, of flowers that bear no thorn, where they shall dwell as children who hear as exiles mourn, midst power that knows no limit, where knowledge has no bound. The beatific vision shall glad the saints around. Amen. We'll conclude this morning with stanzas 1, 4, and 8 of hymn 523. Thank you.